0: Welcome to the final episode of T-Rex Talk with Evan Singleton. If you listened to the first three episodes, then you know that Evan took us to the deepest depths of his struggles, experiences, and the incredible opportunities ahead. When we last left off with Evan, he was exactly one week out from competing in the World's Strongest Man competition. He was nervous, excited, and confident, having never felt faster or stronger. Evan was going to take the competition by storm. Stay tuned to find out what happened. This series is produced by Cold Shower Media and powered by Interlink Mortgage Services. You can learn more about them at the link in the show notes. All right, and we are back with Evan Singleton for part four of four of T-Rex Talk. Evan, how long has it been since the actual World's Strongest Man competition finished up? Uh,
1: November 11th and 12th were the starting supposed starting dates for World's Strongest Man. So yeah, about two months.
0: So for for people that followed along with it, they probably already know that it didn't go exactly as planned.
1: Like, you know, we
0: had (laughs) we had spent considerable time together and had um, really covered your story from its inception, at least in terms of what you would look like as a professional athlete, whether that would be In the realm of wrestling or now strongman and there's been some disappointments and you you were just kind of opening up to me prior to clicking record but where i want to start is actually with you showing up to to the uh, world's strongest man competition what were you thinking because the last time that you and i had connected was about a week prior to that competition and you were feeling you're feeling really confident you were nervous you were excited and you were confident are the things that you had said. So did those uh emotions continue leading up to the competition?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um I stayed pretty confident throughout pretty much throughout the competition up until uh the injury happened. Um I didn't I made a couple of mistakes in uh one of the events, which cost me some points, but that's that happens. Just gotta learn from it, take it in stride and move on. Um yeah, I was still feeling very confident and I was confident in my abilities, my strength, my speed, everything accumulating all at once on that day. I was still very confident that I was I was definitely making uh, top 10.
0: Well, let's talk about the first events. And so we had went through in part three, each of those individual events. And you had done a pretty good job kind of outlining for listeners of what those events are, you know, for the lay person that's listening, maybe doesn't know what all those events are. Um so let's talk about those events on that first day and how things had gone for you.
1: Well, uh, the first event was a farmer's walk for mass, max distance, and I believe in the last last episode before the hurricane came, in, our our competition was pushed to being inside. It was originally supposed to be a monster truck pull, but they switched it to farmers for max distance. We had three hundred and thirty or forty pound ha- handles implements in each hand, and we had to pick them up and we had to walk like 40, 50 feet with them, drop them, and then turn around and pick them back up and walk them back over the line again and do that back and forth and back and forth as long as we could, as far as we could, without dropping it in between the two start and finish lines. And we had to do that for, I believe, either 75 or 90 seconds. First event went very well for me. Farmers, um, for anybody who follows me, knows that that's one of my best events. And I have a very good grip. I'm very fast. So that served me very well. I ended up coming in first place. Yeah, it, it it took every ounce of energy that I had, but I knew how far I had to go to win the event. So it ended with me literally giving 100% of my physical ability. I halfway stood up and then fell, ended up falling forward, but um, it won me the event.
0: So I don't have any complaints there. I wouldn't change that. So Evan was able to capitalize on a strong event for him, and he was sitting firmly in first place in his heat after his first event. In his first World strongest man competition let's get to event two
1: the event two was the deadlift for reps and i knew that in my group specifically this is where i was going to fall behind because i'm just not the the uh, the static deadlifter that everybody else was so i ended up coming in last at that event that was to be expected
0: oh you knew that kind of going in just after you had seen who was in your your group
1: Yes. Yeah. I'm I'm fully aware of pretty much everybody's capabilities in um in strongman for the most part, who I'm competing against. So I know where I'll fall relatively in each event. So it's 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 actually part of how you strategize in strongman. I know I'm not gonna do well at this event compared to the other guys. I just know that they're better at this event than me. So I'll go out and do a couple of event I'll do a couple of reps on the deadlift, not blow myself out and waste all my energy. And then I can go into the next event fresh.
0: So you were aware, you were aware of that and you were kind of playing the long game. Yes. Okay. And then what was the next event after that?
1: The next event was the beginning of day two. And that was the loading race. We were, uh, there was a 40 or 50 foot course and there were tables at one end. And on the other end, there were car parts, but not just any car parts. They were monster truck parts. And i have been training with kegs sandbags and odd objects like that so front carries are very good for me i'm very quick and fast with these now with that being said i none of us and and this isn't just against me none of us had experience with these implements specifically and the two rims of the monster truck tires were very very difficult to figure out how to pick up and walk with and i do believe that that's what cost me some time at the end so that's where I kind of made my mistakes is I wasn't familiar with the implements, but none of us were. So it's not really, there is no excuse there. I just made a couple of mistakes and it cost me points. I
0: ended up coming in third in that event overall. So what was the outlook? Let's go back to after day one. So you had had a really strong uh, farmer's carry. And then after that, you had... Would- said, you know, I was playing the long game. I, I eked out a couple of reps on the deadlift, but I knew that I wasn't going to be able to match those guys anyway, so I was saving my strength for the other events. Right. How were you feeling? How was Evan feeling heading back to the hotel room after that first day? Like, those nerves probably were out of your system. Uh, what were you thinking?
1: Yeah, usually in strongman competitions, anybody who's done them will tell you that once you get the first event out of the way, your nerves are almost completely gone. Um, I honestly heading back to the hotel, getting ready for day two. I was very confident because the loading race and the uh, circus dumbbell is are very good events for me. So I was feeling pretty confident that I was going to accumulate enough points to win my heat. And I was really, really looking forward to that. Um, I underperformed a little bit on the loading race, which was upsetting, but. It was mistakes that were just made and it happened. So you just have to brush it off your shoulder and move on and get ready for the next event because there was still one more left. The last event, they threw a uh, curveball in with us. It was originally supposed to be a circus dumbbell for reps. And it turned out to be four sets of, um, of dumbbells that were rising in weight. So you had to clean two dumbbells at the same time and overhead press them, the judge gives you the down call, then you move to the next set, which is gonna be 10 to 15 to 20 pounds heavier, clean and overhead press them, down call, next set, down call, next set, down call, and then at the very end was a 220 pound circus dumbbell that you had to do for as many reps as possible. But, It was a curveball, but again, it was a good, it it was a good event for me because I'm really, I'm, I'm up there with overhead pressing. I like to overhead press and I'm, I'm relatively good at it. (sighs) Really, uh, really trying to blitz through the, the dumbbells as fast as possible. As soon as I got to the circus dumbbell, um, I went for a clean and I felt a pop in my left arm and I rolled it up to my shoulder. I went for the press. I didn't get the press originally. I brought it back down. I readjusted. I set myself and then I pressed and I got this. Uh, I got one rep. I dropped it and I knew
0: something was wrong because it started to hurt. If you know Evan, then you know how this is probably going to go. Being hurt is a part of strength sports, especially for one that pushes themselves the way that Evan does. And if one more repetition is the difference between him not making and making the finals, then you know what he was about to do. And I still had time left. Um,
1: I knew I needed an, uh, at least at least one more rep. So I decided to grip my teeth, fight through the pain, push through, and I tried to clean the dumbbell again. And if you watch the footage of it, it is not a pretty clean. It is very, very ugly. Um, but that's also because when I went for the second clean, it popped two more times. And that's when my distal bicep tendon was completely severed from my bone. And I went for the circus, I went for the second press on the circus dumbbell anyway, but as soon as I took my hand away from the dumbbell, it was shooting pain. And with a dumbbell like that, if you're doing circus dumbbell, especially if you're gassed, you really need to focus and concentrate on what you're doing. And I was just focused on the pain. So I went for the press, but I didn't get it. It wasn't there. Um, And then, yeah, time ran out. I ended up taking second in that event, which if I would have won that event, I would have won my heat and qualified for the final. Um, And I'm confident I would have done so had it not been for my bicep injury. But it is what it is. After I finished doing the pressing, the medics took me back to the medical tent. They took my sleeves off. They actually gave me an ultrasound and they confirmed that my distal bicep tendon was gone. So the I was supposed to go into the fifth event of the Heats, which was uh, I believe there was eight, eight or ten stone platforms, and you needed to pick up the stone, put it on the platform, then move to the next stone, put it on the next platform. And that was the deciding factor of who is the second guy from that heat to go to the final. But because my distal bicep tendon was completely gone, um, I was encouraged and ultimately decided to back out of the back out of the competition because i had no strength in my left arm
0: at all at what point was it when you were doing the event where you tore your bicep that you kind of maybe realized before the doctors even told you like uh, i might be out of this thing
1: as soon as the first
0: pop happened i knew i was done and that's just because uh, bicep pops can be pretty common for strongmen.
1: Yeah, and strongmen, um, the b- tearing your bicep, either the muscle or the tendon, is is the most common injury in strongman. Um, and it's actually it's actually kind of funny looking back at it now because when I got back to the back after getting iced and get, they gave me a sling to put my arm in and all of that, after uh, everything got done and I went back to the back for the first time, all the strong men came up to me, uh, all the pros who have been there for like five, 10, 15 years, everybody was coming up to me, um, trying to console me telling me that uh, I was quote a um, an official pro straw man now because I got my first bicep tear, you're not a real pro straw man until you get your bicep torn and all of that good stuff because all, all everything that we do is so bicep heavy. But yeah, yeah, everybody was very supportive, very, very nice,
0: everybody. That was going to be one of my questions is, you know, what did the, what did the fellow strongman, and maybe what sticks out to you, uh, either if it was an, a specific individual that had some encouragement for you or if it was just the, the overall support that you felt? Because I, I've heard you speak about it. It is a brotherhood. I mean, you're when you talk about the 25 uh, strongest men in the world, you know, it's one of the few times in your life where you can look around the room and maybe not feel so out of place.
1: Yep, absolutely. I will say that when I arrived at World's Strongest Man to day one um, to compete, I did feel an overwhelming feeling feeling of belong. I felt like I belonged there and I've never felt that. Pursuing any dream that I've had, whether it was bodybuilding, pro, pro straw man or bodybuilding, Strong man is where I felt the most at home and like I belonged there. Never really felt that with wrestling. Never really felt that with bodybuilding. But I felt it. I felt it as soon as I was at Worlds. I felt it.
0: Was there anybody that came up and kind of said something to you? Or was it just that sense of belonging and, the you know, some of the ribbing you were getting of, oh, yeah, you're finally a strong man now?
1: Um, it was uh, well. The finally, you're a strong man now. You're a pro strong man because you tore your bicep. That was Robert Oberst. Uh, he said it in a playful way. Very, very nice guy. I love Robert. Uh, Terry Hollins from England. He came up to me. He and he showed me both of his his bicep scars, um, explaining to me that it happens to all of us and all of that. Everybody was very, very nice. My my brother, who I love to death, Bobby Thompson. He. Uh, was pretty much as soon as it happened, because we were in different heats. So as soon as that happened, he pretty much didn't leave my side until I went back into the back to my bag. Um, Luke Stoltman, who is a very good friend of mine from Scotland. uh, He came up to me, gave me a kiss on the cheek. And all he said to me was, I know, because he knows how it feels to to be
0: hurt like that at this comp. Something that I've grown to appreciate about Evan is his acceptance that pursuing excellence is... A lonely endeavor, but that when you find people that can relate to you, hang on to them because they're the ones that are going to prevent you from going crazy and in a lot of ways facilitate the success that you wanted to begin with. What does what does that feel like to be heard in that competition? Because uh, I I've been along with you for some of the ride and saw the anticipation and the excitement that you had going into that competition, as well as the very uh, real belief that you could win the thing. Um, and so what, what is that feeling if you can even explain it? Um,
1: heartbreaking. It was, um, I was almost in disbelief when it first happened just because I trained for so long for this, for this opportunity and to finally have the chance to back up everything that I said about me belonging there me knowing that I'm one of the best and all of that. And just, I, it was just really, really hard to deal with once reality set in and knowing that I'm going to be out of competitions for a while, knowing that I'm going to be rehabbing for a while knowing that I'm out a lot of money and I can't work now until I get the okay from my doctor. And it sucked. I mean, there, when it happened, I, I, I went outside to where I could be by myself and I just kind of let it out and where I could be alone. And it was just, it was rough. It was so hard.
0: Yeah, we had kind of, just because you're in the unique situation of, you know, you've experienced uh, serious injuries in the past. And of course, this is different than a brain injury. Um, but I, I have to imagine that there's that yeah, same feeling of heartbreak that was with with both of them. And in terms of, you know, when you suffered your brain injury, you were you were well on your way of reaching the goals that you had set for yourself and, and taking them even further, I think. And then from there, you weren't really allowed to to continue to pursue that dream. And then with this one, as you said, heartbreak, I imagine it's exactly the same because you did you did everything right as an athlete, as a competitor. And then it's just one muscle that can fail you and take you completely off course.
1: Yep. These are one of the unpredictabilities of our of our sport. I mean, I did not sound cocky or anything, but I did everything right. My diet was on point. My training was on point leading up to the competition. I was rested. I was recovered. I, I took care of myself. I did my cardio so I had a healthy heart. I slept well. I took all my supplements and it just, it was going anyway. It sucks because I put so much work into that. I wanted my first time at World's Strongest Man to be special. And it was it's special in like the wrong ways.
0: Have you found any value in just those moments of kind of just sitting in the reality of the situation and being upset and giving yourself space? Because one episode, we put a lot of focus on mental health. And that was something that you had said you're really passionate about, yeah. is making sure people people are comfortable talking about their mental health. So were there moments where you had to sit in that space, allow yourself a little bit of grace to?
1: Yes, there are. I, I can't stress enough that if you're dealing with any kind of mental health issues, you need to reach out to people. You need to let people in. You need to be open with what what you're going through and you need to ask for help. You need to 100%. Um, this wasn't necessarily one of those situations. I was just more of a... Uh, like you said, just kind of taking in the reality of the situation. And it's, it's obviously ask for help and all of that stuff. But it's very, very good, in my opinion, for you to go away from everybody, so that you can breathe in a situation like that, that's very highly stressful. There's a lot of emotions going on all at once. Uh, You feel like your world is kind of crumbling a little bit, because what you worked so hard for is just gone, it's taken away from you. And it's, it's, it's sometimes good to just take like 15, 20 minutes, just get away from absolutely everybody so you can just be alone with your thoughts, taking the reality of the situation and eventually you can just try to make the best of it. Um, the entirety of the time that I was there at World's Strongest Man after I hurt my arm, I could have spent moping, I could have, spent, I could have stayed in my hotel room the entire time if I wanted to, um, but I didn't. I made it a point to go to World's Strongest Man uh, all of the events after that and cheer on my fellow competitors. And when I wasn't doing that, I was having dinners and lunches with them. And I was having fun with them. And I I did everything I could to make the competition as fun as, as an experience as I possibly could.
0: Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that. Anybody that has uh, moments in life that are that are trying and that test them, we, we kind of have to remind ourselves like, You know you're going to be okay in the future, but it's okay not to be okay right now.
1: Yeah, Yeah. it's okay not to be okay. Is it might be a little uh, overused at the moment right now, but it it couldn't be more true. It couldn't be more true. It's okay not to be okay. It really is. And it took me a while to really fully understand that.
0: The question I had prepared for you was because I haven't gotten to talk to you in depth after the injury had happened. As I was thinking to myself, you know, is he? Is he in a a why me type of thinking or is he in this, okay, let's, let's start to work again. And I know that that can probably change by the minute, but what, what are you feeling in terms of why me and how are you trying to work past that?
1: As far as right now, um, I think I have a pretty good handle on it. I want to say that it was really, really difficult to fight my way out of that mindset in the beginning when I first got back, when I first got out of surgery, um, And I was limited on what I can do in the gym and I wasn't able to work and all of that. There were, I I had my moments where I was like that, but it's not in my, it's not in my DNA to ever quit. So after I had my moments, I really thought to myself, okay, let's lay it all on the line right now. Let's put it all out and see where we go from here. So uh, I was scheduled to compete in the first Brian Shaw Classic in Colorado, which would have been amazing, amazing opportunity. I'm out of that. I'm out of competitions for the next about five or six months. I'm not going to be able to train for a while. So listen to the doctor, um, try to work out some kind of rehab program where you're exercising and all of that. And <laughs> this is. Uh, this should be a little bit of a testament to how much I, I'm, I I refuse to give up. I was in the gym the day after surgery. I was I was hitting my legs. I was doing squats.
0: Why do you think that is?
1: I don't know how to stop. I don't know how to give up. I don't know how to throw in the white flag. I I want this more than I want my next breath. And I know that I will do anything to achieve it. I do not know how to stop working for it. I don't know how to stop pushing myself. I will never quit, ever.
0: So the goal hasn't really changed despite the additional obstacles, things that we didn't, we didn't plan for, but the goal stays the same.
1: Goal is always the
0: same. Do you think that for someone that's already experienced you know, unexpected roadblocks, Do you think that this will add more satisfaction when you do eventually win it?
1: Absolutely, yes. I mean, I try to look at it like this. I know it wasn't the debut that I wanted. I know that I'm out a lot of stuff because of the injury that I got and what I have to deal with now. And I understand that it sucks. And I I take that and I realize it. And then I push it to the side. And then I focus on what I need to achieve. And when I finally do win... The competition and I'm holding that gold trophy up high, I'll be holding it with my left arm just as a as a testament to nothing
0: will stop me. Isn't that the Evan that we know? Always looking for a symbol, always looking for a reason to push even harder. But symbols and motivational strategy can only go so far. The work has to continue. The training has to continue. So what is what is training looked like? You had mentioned you were back in the gym, you know, the day after the injury. I imagine some of that was just trying to get out a little bit of frustration, too.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, I had a lot of that pent up. <laughs> I had a lot of that uh, pent up that really needed to be exercised. And um, I've been working with Adam and Kim Dirks, my coaches, very closely who have been just absolutely amazing throughout this entire thing. Um, I, I got to call it world's strongest man from Adam on my phone half an hour after it happened, uh, asking me like, what happened and how are you feeling? And all of that, Adam and Kim have been very, very good to me. And we're working really, we're working very closely on a uh, program, a rehab program and just kind of working around my arm right now. So I can keep, I can keep pushing, keep getting stronger, building muscle mass and ultimately getting myself prepared for the next upcoming competition season to where I'm back to full strength
0: and stronger. What does training a day of training look like now that you're you're not able to use your left arm like you normally would?
1: (sighs) I do a lot of squats. (sighs) I do a lot of squats. And it's a good thing and a bad thing that I'm doing a lot of squats because squatting is a weakness of mine and I detest squats with a passion, but it's good that I'm getting a lot more opportunities to do them because now I'm getting actually, I've even noticed and a significant increase in my squat strength. So, and that's good because when I'm finally back to uh, deadlifting normally, I have a strap, I'll, I'll talk about that in a second, but when I get back to deadlifting normally, um, it should in theory be a lot stronger because now my leg strength has gone up. Um, deadlift day, I'm not able to use my arm when I deadlift heavy. So I have a strap that goes around my shoulders and then it goes straight down and it loops around the bar. So that way I can deadlift without actually using my arms. So I'm just using my lower back, my legs, and pretty much all of that. So I'm still able to do pretty heavy weights considering that I can't use my arms. I mean, I can deadlift eight hundred over 800 pounds without using my arms. Overhead pressing, I for a while I was doing just one arm stuff, just using my right arm to like press heavy dumbbells or or do flies and stuff like that because your body naturally wants to to uh, uh, be as symmetrical as possible with its muscle. So your body will actively, as like realistic as it could, your body will actively try to be symmetrical. So you'll retain a lot more muscle mass and fight off atrophy if you continue to work your right arm. So that's what I started doing. I just recently started incorporating uh, my left arm into very, very light pressing and curling movements just to get blood flow back in there to work the muscle out a little bit. And obviously I don't want uh, my tendon, my the fixed tendon to tighten up on me. So I've been working very, very diligently with my rehab and recovery so that way I can come back faster and stronger.
0: And you you think that with the type of training that you're still able to do that that's going to be a possibility that you'll be able to hit the ground running once these competitions.
1: Absolutely. Yes. I believe that by the time that I'm ready to start competing again, I'll be as good as I was, if not better. I've also been able to, because I haven't been able to use my arm, I've been doing a lot of conditioning work. I do a lot of foot speed drills that uh, NFL combine does with the ladder, the flimsy ladder that you put on the ground. I do a lot of wind sprints. I do a lot of work with sled. I'll put a harness on and just walk with a sled for like 20 minutes straight. It's brutal conditioning, but it works.
0: So as you're heading into this rehab process and just what these next couple of months hold, which is maybe not the uh, typical year of training that you would have had you not had an injury, are you able to kind of consider like what the next chapter is and can you outline what that might be for people? We know that it's going to include competing and winning competitions, but is there is there anything else that it's going to include as you think about it? Like what is Evan's next chapter?
1: The next chapter is pretty much for me proving that I am as strong mentally as I am physically. Because you can either let an incident like this empower you and make you stronger, or you can let it define you and bring you down. And I am going to show how strong I am mentally by not letting this injury bring me down, by not letting, not falling into the why me category anymore, Um, finding ways to work around it and work towards my goals until I eventually achieve them. Eventually, I'm going to compete, I'm going to start my competition season this year, I'm going to start traveling all over the world again, which is going to be really, really nice. Uh, I'm going to be competing in the world's strongest man again, I'm sure of it, I'll figure out a way to compete there. And I will, or I will earn everything
0: that I, I earned this year until my arm gave out as i sit at my desk and look over this episode i think about the journey with evan and what these episodes have meant and how we've gotten to know him and as a team we wanted to have him define what he thought the next chapter would look like and what it would mean going forward and i think in many ways that the next chapter parallels many of the previous chapters it will contain strong elements of fortitude and camaraderie it will have slight moments of doubt, never debilitating enough to forget the task at hand, but to serve as a reminder of how special these goals really are. It might sound like a lot of chapters in your own story. I'm guessing you're not six foot six, 350 pounds, spending every waking moment dreaming of becoming the world's strongest. But I do know that you've overcome a lot, and you have a lot more to give. As far as Evan goes, I believe we believe, that this next chapter or the ones beyond contain promises of him holding the trophy one day. But that trophy will be less about what it's made of, and more about what it represents. Something that can inspire us all. Thank you for tuning in to the finale of this four-part series, T-Rex Talk with Evan Singleton. I'm your host, Taylor Kramer of Cold Shower Media. Another major thanks to Interlink Mortgage Services for powering this project.